Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Uh, it's a wonderful day today. It's starting to really warm up here now. It's like April was like, we had what, cold weather, hot weather, cold weather. It's, it's that schizophrenic or how, how would you call that? You know, bipolar disorder month, right? Anyhow, so let me open in prayer and then we can get started here. Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks, Father, we do. We thank you for this wonderful Shabbat today that you have called out. And Father, we gather to hear from you, to get guidance from you, and Father, to lift your name up. Father, be with us today as we look at you, the, words, uh, uh, the words from you and the words from your son, Yahshua. We thank you for everything that you do for us. Amen. So, um, first of all, I'm going to hold off on comments uh, towards till towards the end, because there's X amount that I do kind of want to get over, and it might kind of go fast, but at least I know I can get it in, and then that will give us something to, and then I'll, I, I do want to hear from you. So, and then uh, as usual, uh, when, when we do towards the end get the mic out there uh, to people, uh, it's like, uh, keep the comments on point, what we've went over, and um, and kind of keep it as brief as possible you can because there's uh, many other people too. So today we're going to continue where we're at. Um, a reminder, we're, we're in chapter 20. We began chapter 20, but I want to remind you that Yeshua's train of thought from 19, chapter 19 in Matthew, carries on into 20 and actually much, much further. But uh, So keep that in mind here. So last week... Uh, we read the parable and uh, discussed it last week, this very parable. The four, um, and it begins like this. Uh, the reign of the heavens is like a man, a householder, who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And when the workers uh, agreed, uh, agreed with the workers for a uh, silver piece uh, uh, for that day, he sent them into his vineyard. So we went over that pretty much um, uh, a lot last week. So, but I'm one of the, like I was saying, uh, 20 here, as it continues on, this is the same thought process came from 19 and it's going on. So we won't go into uh, this parable again because that's what we kind of discussed uh, last week and went over. And, and I think it was Michelle that brought out, I think the very, one of the very important parts of that parable is because it seemed like unfair because at the end, towards the end of the parable, um, some of these uh, people or uh, workers came in towards the end and they got paid the same amount of, of money. But uh, what Michelle pointed out, and I think is very important, it was, it was like, okay, they agreed. You agreed regardless. So don't grumble later. If you ag uh, agreed on, on the contract, you can't come back and complain. You know, because that's what you agreed to. And I think uh, in some ways that uh, the underlying thing is covetedness is down there too, raising its head. But regardless, it's about the kingdom of heaven is all these parables begin this way, okay? So we, let's keep that train of thought in as we go on. 
So, so here's where I want to focus on. In the, at the end of the parable of Matthew 20, uh, 16, 15 and 16, it says this. It is not right for me to do what I wish with my own. So he's saying, I'm allowed to do what I want with my own money and give it to whom I choose. Or is your evil eye because I am good? So he's crying because you're, you're not generous, you're angry with me. I'm being generous and you're complaining to me that I'm being generous. Then he goes on to the, and this is where we're going to focus here. Hopefully I can get through all this, but this is awesome here. And it goes, and he says this, thus the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Then he goes on, for many are chosen, but uh, many are called, but few are chosen. That's very powerful words, okay? So, um, so like the rich young ruler um, looking to get into the kingdom of heaven, um, but didn't want to give up his possessions, okay? That was another parable right before this. They all are connected here and what he's saying. Okay, it's strange here. We got this parable was about wages in some ways. I think you can narrow it down. They were complaining about this particular wage. Um, So the theme is related to money or maybe still or working for a wage. Okay, so the that connection between money and working is there. So but here in this parable, we see it's like really it's. Working out one's salvation isn't nothing new. <laughs> There's always something in here that you're going to do because we're talking about the kingdom of the heaven here that's, that is here. So then it really gets a whole lot deeper when it is compared to the kingdom of heaven, and that's what I believe ultimately what he's trying to uh, speak to us here. So keep that, in, keep that in mind as well. The parable began for the reign of the heavens is like a man, a householder, who went out early in the morning for his, and had his workers work his vineyard. And I'm going to be throwing a lot at you, but hopefully it all come together towards the end. It's also about a vineyard. So we're going to look into what a vineyard is or some of the terminology around a vineyard. So, but the very word chosen here, that is what I want to focus on. And that's where I... We can bring everything together based on that. Chosen, what does it relate to? Let's jump to another parable that holds this same phrase, okay? The first shall be last is used a couple of times, but only in these two places in Matthew are they paralleled um, with many are, many, are called in, or, uh, many are called and few are chosen. Okay, so they're only paired together with this, the first and last, only in Matthew, in two places. So I think that's significant, okay? And at least this is what I discovered. Many are called, few are chosen, is unique uh, to Matthew. Remember, Matthew is viewed by scholars, and I agree, it is, the, it is 
is in a Jewish audience is who it's been written to. And we've seen that before where I pointed out to you uh, where in Matthew, it doesn't have a long list of descriptiveness because it's taken for granted the audience knows what he's talking about. But the same stories we go back and we see in uh, Matthew and Luke, there's added description because in some sense that audience wasn't familiar, all familiar with what was going on. Okay, so I do see that. So Matthew 22 is where we will find this second phrase uh, used, which is, uh, but few are chosen. Many are called, few are chosen. And it is in Matthew 22, 14. So Matthew chapter 20 is leading up to I'll give you a background. You have to know a background of what's happening where Messiah is at right at this point. Okay? He's coming in. The, so 20, 21, and 22, it's all the same time period where Yahshua, he's coming towards Jerusalem and then he is in Jerusalem. And it's the time of the Passover. Okay? The time of the Passover. Four days, remember, four days, he, and actually 22 here, he's actually in Jerusalem at this point, okay? So he's in Jerusalem. We know before he died, four days, okay? So, and he was scrutinized, was he not, by the Pharisees, Sadducees, all the people, all the people there. So, So what we find at this time period, we have to bring in all the elements that we know from the past. What is it? This time period of Passover. That has to do with the Exodus. Okay? So we got the idea of the lamb. A chosen lamb. (laughs) Go choose a lamb. A chosen people at the same time. Uh, And it also has to be the best, unblemished. These have to be brought into because we know where Messiah is at this time, okay? It's part of this Exodus story. He is speaking to those in Jerusalem, and they knew his teaching because they were confronting him, okay? He spoke to them again in a parable of the vineyard before, uh, before this one. So this parable starts here in Matthew 22, and Yahshua responded and spoke to them Uh, again by parable. So again, meaning is if we go back to 21, I know I'm jumping around here, 21, he was speaking other parables. So this one is like piggybacked on top of all those other ones. So I'm going to bring a lot of parables together, but I I think they all hold uh, a great significance, especially when we take into account of where he's at and who he's speaking to. So this time period, uh, Matthew 21, uh, 28, uh, in Matthew 21, 13, the Pharisees are questioning him and they're saying this. And he said, and, you know, and he said to them, it has been written, my house should be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Okay, so this has just gone on. He's gone into the temple. He's overthrown the table uh, uh, money exchangers, okay, because they were not handling things correctly. I think in some ways they were selling sacrifices and trying to make a profit on the people, that type of thing. Then at 23 in Matthew uh, 21, 23, uh, it goes on to say this. And when he had come into the set-apart place, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him 
um, came to him as him um, came to him as he was teaching and said, "By what authority are you doing these? And who gave you the authority?" I'm sorry. 23 yes. or you got 21 up there. But yes, you... I'm going to read that. But okay. this happens right before uh, this is uh, that was Matthew 20, 21, 23. It happens right before this parable. So this parable is his response to what authority I'm doing all these things and why I'm doing it. So. So let's go and get this parable. Grab this parable as well. Matthew 21, 28. But what do you think? A man who uh, a man had two sons, and he came, uh, um, and he came to the first and said, "Son, go work today in my vineyard." There's the vineyard again. It's very important. And he answered and said, "I do not wish to." But afterwards, he re, uh, repented or changed his mind or changed his actions, and he went. And having come uh, to the second, he said similarly. And, he, and answering said, I go, master. But that one, he didn't go, okay? Which of the two, two did the desire of the father? They asked him. The first, Yeshua said to them, truly, I say to you that the tax collectors and the whores are entering into the reign of the heavens before you. This directly relates to when we're going to start talking about the first and the last. Many are called and few are chosen. So let me continue and, and you can see the connection. Because we're talking about a vineyard in these, these last particular parables. So where's this idea of a vineyard coming from? Why isn't a vineyard very important? I think it is for this reason. Isaiah 5 is the song of the vineyard. And it, take note of the people involved in this song, okay? Because why else would Messiah use a vineyard? Okay, especially when he's in Jerusalem talking to really people that should know, should have been aware of who he was, okay? So Isaiah 5 says this, Please let me sing to the one I love a song for my loved one. Regarding his vineyard, my loved one has a vineyard on a fertile hill. And he dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it, planted it with the choicest vine. And he built a watchtower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. And he waited for the yielding of grapes but it yielded rotten ones. And now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judea, please judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done to my vineyard that I, had, I, that I have not done in it? Why? When I wait for the yielding of grapes, it, did not yield, it yielded rotten ones. And now, please let me inform you what I am going to do to my vineyard, to take away the hedge and it shall be burned, to break down its walls and it shall be trampled down and lay it to waste. It is not, it is not pruned or dug and thorn bushes and weeds shall come up and I command the clouds not to rain on it. Here it is. The vineyard of Yahuwah of hosts is the house of Israel 
and the men of Judah is its pleasant plant. He looked for right ruling, but see oppression. For righteousness, but see weeping. Woe to those who join house to house, who add field to field until there is no room, and you are made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. This is, what, uh, this is all to show you what I believe Yahshua is trying to reveal in his parables, especially who he's talking to, okay? In some ways, he is answering where he got his authority from, just by how he's answering. He didn't literally come and tell them, but didn't he just explain where he got his authority from? You know, the way he addressed them with a parable about the vineyard, which they should know, they would know what the vineyard was about. So back to Matthew 22, many are called, few are chosen. See how this is still playing a part in this, I hope. So Matthew 21, uh, 21, 28. This, we have to go over, oh, Matthew 21, 33, here another parable. This was a certain man, a householder, who planted a vineyard and placed a hedge around it and dug the wine press and built a watchtower. So we went over this and we see how this is connected to what is in Isaiah. So something else to add in here. Because right after this point, Uh, Later on in uh, verse 42, he says this to them uh, at this particular parable. Um, Yahweh said to them, did you ever read the scriptures? Or Yahshua said to them, did you ever read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief quarterstone. This was from Yahuwah, and it was marvelous in your eyes. Why I'm bringing this up, because in these two parables, especially that one parable here, about the good son going here and uh, are the one son doing it and then the other son not accomplishing the tax, saying he would. Well, right amongst there, Messiah quotes this. And what makes this very important is because this idea of the chief cornerstone, this is a small rabbit trail, but it's related to the allness of big picture. You'll have to go to Psalms 118 because Messiah is quoting it right out after he's speaking about his vineyard. What I found is when Messiah is talking about the vineyard, I'm trying to keep on the one, one path that I see. But I got to tell you at the same time, there's these several things that Messiah is in his speech is doing that are branching out and coming all back together again. And I know I might be confusing as it is, so I'm trying to stick real clear real close to what uh, the point uh, that I want to get, but there's a lot that branches out. So you'll have to go back and read that psalm. So what else is uh, interesting uh, in uh, Matthew 21? Now, let's not do that. Let's go further. You can get with me. I can show you some more uh, interesting things there, but we're, it's going to get too confusing. It seems clear in my head, but then when I'm like, okay, you know, I, I got all these things going on. It's like, that makes no sense unless I can show you how I'm thinking. So I'm trying to bring it back. I'm bringing myself back. So what well, we have these, these parables and the connection and how they are all connected. 
and why in Matthew this particular phrase, fewer, uh, many are called, few are chosen, is what we're getting back to. So Matthew 22, this is the other place where it holds. And Yeshua responded and spoke to them again by parables and said, because this is after he said all these other parables, the reign of the heavens is like a man, a sovereign, who made a wedding feast for his son. It's interesting. He's talking about servants. He's talking about wages, all these things. But now he's in Jerusalem, really in the heart of Jerusalem, right before he's entering talking about parables, but now he's really in Jerusalem proclaiming why, uh, being scrutinized continually, and he's throwing out parables, and this is a very powerful parable, even for us today, if we, if we look at it, because it sounds like there's going to be a wedding feast here, so it's a very powerful, and this is compared to all the other parables we just read about, Okay? And he sounded, so the reign of the heavens is like a man, a king who made a wedding feast for his son. Is that very clear? And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, say to those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatted cow are slaughtered. And all is ready. Come to the wedding feast. He's first addressing people who know about this feast, know about what he's talking about. But he finds that they don't want to come. But they disregarded it and went their own way. Does sound familiar? Right in everyone's way? This, uh, this one to his field, that one to his trade, and the rest, having seized the servants, his servants here, insulted and killed them. But when the sovereign heard, he was wroth, he was very angry, and sent out his soldiers, destroy those murderers, and set their city afire. wonder what city this might, might be. Him standing in Jerusalem. Hmm. Then it goes on. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast indeed is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the street corners, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding feast. And those servants went out into the street corners and gathered all whom they found, both, this is interesting, both wicked and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. And when the sovereign or the king came in to view the guests, he saw there a man who had not put on a wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the sovereign said to the servants, bind him, bind him hand and foot, take him away, throw him out in the outer darkness, and there shall be the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then here we have the second part. And many are called, but few are chosen. See how it's related to the other parable. And then a quick note here, I just happened to look at it. Who's taken out here? So, and who are left behind? 
<laughs> so that's something to think about. But what I'm trying to get at is these two parables have much in common, just like the stories that are recorded in Scripture for us. It's really the same story being told over and over again in some form. Again, this is the Jerusalem crowd. And before it goes too far, I do want to, what we're talking about here, I want to make sure that I'm not going, I am not how do I say it? I do not believe in replacement theology, and I'll show you why, okay? And i show you how clear, because I've seen a lot of this can be misunderstood or done from one way or the other, but when I get done, you'll see what I'm talking about. So it doesn't, uh, I'm, there's, I'm not going to be proclaiming there's a replacement of one particular people over another people, but we will see how, what Messiah calls and from the very beginning, what his people were called, okay? And that encompasses everybody, depending. So, so, we, um, so this whole idea of being chosen, that's the word I want to focus on. Now, we, I was talking with John just uh, right before thing, and John, it was weird, he mentioned something that's actually in my notes. He was going, oh, that's the ecclesia, the called out assembly. Now, ecclesia is the word that's used for uh, kahal, uh, kahal, right? The, the Hebrew word meaning a, uh, a called out assembly, the ecclesia, all right? Now, I, now the word that we're look, going to look at for chosen here is electos. Now, in Greek, I don't, it sounds like it connects, but I wasn't able to check it. But, but the ecclesia, or the called out assembly, regardless if they're related etymology, uh, the etymology might not be the, uh, there in the Greek, but as far as um, function, it, it plays a huge part in there. It, 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 you'll, you'll see that. It is one people that is called out. So um, before I get too far on here, let me go to here. Here's the Greek word, the, the electos. And I believe, I believe so we have our word elect, to elect someone that comes from that. So many are chose, or many are called, but few are elected. Okay, few are chosen. This is a very important word, at least to me, that I, I, I discovered. So the Hebrew word, because we got to go back to the Hebrew to understand uh, uh, what's going on. Because after all, I do believe Messiah wasn't speaking Greek. He was speaking Hebrew. So we got to go to the Hebrew word that Messiah would have been using. And so it's uh, Bakar, okay? And the definition you see up there I'm looking for a choice or ch uh, choice or chosen, okay? Examples, Leviticus 17.5, okay? And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose buds and shall rid myself of the grumblings of the children of Israel, which they're grumbling against, against me. So here we see this idea of choosing a particular thing. This is... They were disputing who's in charge, and the father comes down and says, you know what, gather the rods together, I'll show you who I'm choosing to run the show here, okay? This is where uh, Aaron, Aaron's rod was the one that was chosen to see where he's focusing his, uh, who he's going to be speaking through, 
Okay, another example. We just read this in Deuteronomy uh, last week, maybe the week before that. Yahuwah did not set his, his love on you nor choose you. So here you're not being, cho- you're, you know, because you were more numerous than any other people for, uh, for, you know, basically you're the least. So he didn't choose you, okay, for that reason, because you're a big, numerous people. Deuteronomy 10, 15. Yahuwah delighted only in your fathers to, to love them, and he chose their seed after them, you above all peoples as it is today, that you shall circumcise the foreskins of your heart and harden, and, and harden your neck no more. So we have this idea of the chosen people. Okay, who are those chosen people? And I know and probably where a lot of where you're coming from, there's a whole idea of who's the chosen people. And I am completely against, and I know it is not scripturally based, that the Israel, as we, the Jews, have been chosen over, or there's a new chosen people in the Jews. That is not what scripture says, and that's not what I'm proclaiming here. But I am going to go in, and we're going to see who the Father decides who his chosen are and by what he uses to gauge them. Because ultimately, this is what Messiah is saying to them too. Even though he's addressing Jews at the time, or the Pharisees, he's addressing everybody, not just, you know, just not them. He's, his, his message was the same everywhere he went, okay? So this idea of being chosen. And don't you want to be chosen? Because we should be the chosen people, Okay? So if we go on, Deuteronomy 4.2, and you shall set apart the people to Yahuwah, your Elohim, and Yahuwah has chosen you to be a people for himself. Yes, we want to be this chosen people, right? Okay, for himself, a treasured possession above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. But those who are under the impression that you can be the chosen people over God, well, if you are, that's great. But look where Deuteronomy goes right after this, and the Father does not change. Do not eat whatever is abominable, comes in right after he describes his chosen people. So any chosen people of God, he doesn't change. And I don't need to go on and on to make my point there. So anyhow, let's continue on. Deuteronomy 14.23, and you shall... Eat be, uh, shall eat it before Yahweh your Elohim in the place which he chooses to place his name there. This is over and over again. He chooses Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the capital of the world, of the universe, okay? And it always will be. That's where he chose. It's quite clear over and over again in scripture. But all this to show you, there, it's a simple word, choosing something, and choosing, choosing it, okay? The Greek has the same definition, but there's something more that I do want to bring out here. Well, here's an, uh, another thought. Mark 13, uh, 27, and, you shall, and he shall send out his messengers and shall gather the elect or the chosen from the four winds from the outer parts of, of the earth and the outer parts of the heavens. So there's a positive thing of that simple idea of being chosen, okay? Because you do want to be chosen. And how, wasn't you called out too? So 
here's what I think Messiah, at least what I believe was going on. We have this word, Bekor. And I mean, Bekor, the uh, Bekar that we looked at is the verb. Bekor comes from that same verbal root, okay? And Bekor means firstborn. Firstborn is a very power, powerful imagery all through scripture, okay? For instance, Exodus 4.22, and you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says Yahweh, Israel is my son, my firstborn, my Bekor. So I say to you, let my son go to serve me. But if you refuse to uh, refuse, but if you refuse to let him go, see, I am killing your son, your firstborn. Now remember, Messiah's speaking this parable. Am I over? Did you have a comment? I have a funny. What's that? I have a funny, but I don't want to interrupt your flow. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So in Spanish, and people will correct me if I'm wrong, buckaroo. Is cowboy? A buckaroo? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> buckaroo, buccaro, <clears throat> buccaro. Isn't that a cowboy? Buckaroo, I don't, I've heard it, but well, I don't know. Well, English, English borrows a buckaroo from Spanish yeah. cowboy. Oh, yeah? So, so he's saying to Pharaoh, let my buckaroos go. <laughs> let my buckaroos go. <laughs> buccaro, let my buccaro cowboys go. <laughs> All right. But it's interesting. You see the relationship that's going on here? Remember, Messiah is in Jerusalem at the time of the Passover with his memorialization to the Exodus story, which the firstborn of Egypt died in the place for the firstborn of the Hebrews who came out. And then later on, the idea of the firstborn of all the males, animals, and children are to be dedicated to unto Yahuwah. Exodus 13, 2, the set apart to me all the firstborn, the one opening the womb among the children of Israel, among man and among the beast, is mine. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, a different system other than the fathers, out of the house of slavery, were there slavery, but he's bringing you to freedom, for by strength and by hand, Yahuwah brought you out of this place. And whatever is leaven, you, shall, uh, you, shall, uh, you shall, shall not be eaten. So you can see the time frame again. It, to me, it matches up exactly where Messiah is at and why he made this phrase. Few, many are called, but few are chosen. Now, this idea of Bekor, we saw it's only twice that the father says, talks about his firstborn. We saw it in the Exodus story of Israel, okay? And we see it here in Jeremiah. Is there two firstborns or is there this idea? It's used again. See, I'm bringing them out from the land of the north and shall gather them from the ends of the earth. Among, uh, among them, the blind and the lame, those uh, with child and those in labor gathering a great assembly returning here. So these are people that are, but got ejected out of the land. Now Jeremiah is saying they will come back to the land again. But we knew, and that happened to both houses. 
With weeping they shall come, and with the prayers I bring them. I shall make them walk by the rivers of water in the straight way in which they do not stumble. For I shall be a father to Israel and Ephraim my firstborn. Oh, it's, isn't that interesting? The only places that, uh, that we have Yahuwah that uses this term, I said two, actually there's three, if you include the New Testament. So Ephraim is a firstborn too. It's being, all right? So it's interesting that he's using is the terminology Israel and Ephraim and how they're interconnected and how you can look at Israel as all tribes and all people grafted in. And Ephraim can be, it's kind of just maybe the northern kingdom. The terminology, well, we won't get too much into that, but I think it's very fascinating. So, so the other place that I said that, that we have recorded in Scripture where it said, this is my firstborn, it was spoken over Yahshua. This is my child, my firstborn. Listen to him, right? So I can't help but think this, what was in the back of their minds, the relationship of the firstborn, the time of the season of the Passover, uh, the last few days before the crucifixion. Okay, the relationship to between chosen and firstborn, and then all about the wedding feast. The last few days before the crucifixion, this is what he's talking about. So many are called out, but um, called, but few will be the chosen. Is how I see it. There's going to be many called out because they were called out of Egypt, but they didn't really get let themselves be chosen. Yes. Can we answer, ask questions now? Sure. I think I get it. What's that? I think I get it. Okay. So many, are cho- many were called out of Israel, 12 tribes, 13 tribes really, plus the mixed multitudes, but only some of those are buckaroos, Ephraim, firstborn. Yes. So he's, he's selecting, and then he's refining his selection. And in called out to... The Bacaros or, or the firstborn. Is, yes, that, no, is that I how agree. you get it? No, I do. See, he, has, he made a call out to uh, uh, two people to be called out. And then from there, there's even uh, more of a calling out that's going on. So uh, let me continue with this real quick, and then we'll take another comment. Uh, give me oh. one second. So... Um, so what I, what I just said, many are called, but few will be chosen, okay? Because you want to be chosen. We see this whole idea of being chosen. He chooses a people that will be obedient to his commands and teachings and instructions. That is Torah. That's why he called you out to be set apart. It's the remnant that, that chooses to say that the old law of Moses is not done away with. You see what I'm saying that's going on here? It's, the, it's one thing to work... Uh, it's one thing to work this out in your lives, and I believe it's another thing to say that everything in the past is done away with. His, his commandments are done away with. You, you see what I'm saying? It's one thing to say we are looking at it and we're... 
we are going to struggle through it and overcome it. But I think it's completely another thing to say it was done and, and you don't need it. Yes. So what you're saying is many were called. So he called this group, but, but few are choosing facts. Few are choosing to follow. Is that the way this word can be looked at? That's what I believe. I believe there's this idea many are being called out, but what's going to be chosen out of what's been called out? We just saw the wedding feast. Okay, eventually in that wedding feast, we saw the wicked and other people were called along with the wicked to the wedding feast. Okay, so th they were called out, they were invited. But when it got down to when that wedding feast started going on, not all of them were chosen. <laughs> it kind of ties into the parable of the two sons, too. Or... It, yes. That's why, I, yes, that's why I put that in there. Go ahead, John. About well, that. It's, it's the, obviously the one that did the thing was, and he acknowledges it, that's the one who did the will of the Father. But the first one, sort of like, well, I was thinking about, well, the Torah has been done away. My commitment to doing what I said I was going to do, eh, that's kind of way, you know, that's their attitude. That's, they talked, but they didn't do it. True. So it is one thing uh, is to work out in our lives and another to say it's not for me today, okay? I believe that's very dangerous thinking and error, erroneous theology as well. The spirit, take this for instance, if the spirit is a cod one, meaning one, um, and that spirit is, was, is, and will be, then it, it can't be any different for you right now. It can't be any different for us right now. The spirit doesn't change. Yes, Michelle. Ralphie, I was tying this back to Exodus when they stood on the mount and they said, what you say we will do. Mm -hmm. Now you go to the two sons, like John was saying, the, one son, the older son didn't want to do it, but he repented which means he had to know the law to be able to repent and go out and do what his father had told him. The other one just said, oh, yeah, I'll do it. But didn't. And did not. And did not feel any guilt. There's nothing said that there was any repentance. The, the feast, the um, sacrifices are only accepted if there's repentance. And I know you're, you know, you're talking about the firstborn, but we can't even be a firstborn if there's not repentance for where we're at. Mm -hmm. And even the sacrifices, you don't even bring a sacrifice unless there's repentance first or it's not acceptable. Um, and I think that's probably in the other parable why he went out into the city and burned the whole city. They, they took no respect to who he was, what he was doing to his servants. And it kind of ties into Revelation that we are his bond servants. And what is done to us is done to the Father. So in order to even be a firstborn, 
we have to return to the Father with repentance and understanding Torah and his commandments even before we start. No, I... Is what I'm thinking. No, I agree. So this idea of being many are called, plenty are called, mm -hmm. but then few actually become chosen or become that chosen people. So you can see the qualifications that I see what that is. It's the same for everybody. So, and it's back to his commandments and his way of life that he's then. So I would say, and, and that's the spirit of Elohim there because it's Echad. Him and his words, they're, they're one. So if your spirit is different from scripture, then you need to change, uh, you need to change, not the scripture to fit your own spirit. Okay? That's one of the, I believe, one of the huge mistakes that I see today. Everyone says they are led by the spirit, but go and toss aside the Torah. Ultimately, we just read that. They did what was right in their own eyes. They did what was right in their own theology. Is really what it boils down to. And we can't have that. Go ahead, Joe. Okay, God has given us a free will. And it's like the wedding feast. Many are called, come to the wedding feast. You know, come to the wedding feast. Because they have a free will, they can refuse or reject. It's just like when we give the gospel out. A person has a free will. They can either accept it or deny it. Exactly. I got Mark back there, and then uh, we'll have to close with Mark's comment. I got further than what I thought I would today. So Sorry, we had to interrupt you there. No, next, next week we'll, we will get back to this and finish it, okay? So be thinking about that. Go ahead, Mark. So when I looked up the Greek for the word called, it, it had this idea meaning um, invited. Hmm. So if we begin that verse by just saying many are invited, and it reminds me of like you talked about, you use the, the, uh, the wedding uh, parable that Yeshua gives. He gives an invitation out, but not everybody shows up. Some don't even come at all. Some come, but with the wrong garments. But there is a group that comes and has the right garments. And so maybe it's many are invited, but few are taking the invitation and running with it. Yeah. Accepting the invitation. No, I think that's interesting because it is an invite. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's how, that's how John the Baptist, it's hand out. The father's putting his hand up to invite you to come. So I was just thinking something else, and we'll close here. But, you know, uh, <laughs> many are called, but few are going to stay, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> a lot are going to be taken away. And I want to be the chosen that stays in the wedding. So let me close with that, and then think about this, and then we'll come back here next week, and we'll finish this, because uh, I have some other verses that I want to combine with all this thought process that's going on here that I believe. So 
Father Yehovah, we give you great thanks. We thank you again for the Shabbat, Father, and bring us back next week again, refreshed and ready to hear more from you. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your guidance. And may your spirit be with her today and you, it be pleasing to you, our actions and our deeds. We thank you. Amen. Shabbat shalom, all you. And those online will be back um, about 20 minutes. So come back and see us.